We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. I, I am your host for tonight, Taylor, um, and it's been a little bit of a rough 24 hours for me. Guys, I'm not going to lie, um, the Kansas City Chiefs just got absolutely destroyed in the Super Bowl by Tom Brady and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then this morning, um, I'm here in the, the Tulsa metro area, it's very slick, Um Made it all the way to my parking garage, all the way to downtown Tulsa. And, you know, I uh, I spun out, I messed up a tire, um, and my car's in the shop. So, you know, it's been a heck of a 24 hours, but you know what? Do, do you guys know what made me feel better tonight? It was the effort that the OKC Thunder put up against the defending champs, even without AD. Um, the Thunder only had eight players. We're going to get into all that. But just a super, super fun game tonight. Um, 119-112. Lakers end up winning in overtime. And just like I mentioned, it was an absolute blast. Just a fun game all the way around. Uh, The Thunder were really kind of in control all the way up until like the third quarter. Uh, They regained control uh, in the fourth. And then the the Lakers were able to, to make another run. Force it to overtime. <laughs> I say that the Thunder were able to force it to overtime at that point, and just like I mentioned, super fun game to break down. So a lot of things to break down, a lot of indi- individual players to break down, and then you guys, as always, delivered with your questions for the post game podcast. So I will get into those as well. But before we break down individual themes, uh, just some notes: the Thunder only had eight players tonight. 
I think I mentioned that at, at the top of the podcast, but I mean, obviously you have all the guys that are that have been sent down in the G League, but you still have George Hill with that thumb injury. Um, Teo Maladon, kind of an interesting situation. He was out for Friday's game against Minnesota, the first of a back-to-back against Minnesota uh, because of health and safety protocols. Then he plays Saturday in the game. He looks great. And now he's out again because of health and safety protocols. So obviously we hope everything is okay with Teo. But with the whole Kevin Durant situation, I won't dive into that. But, you know, he was um, he, he was not going to play a game. Then he was able to come in in the first quarter or whatever it was, the second quarter. Then he's pulled, like, at the end of the third quarter. Just kind of very messy. And uh, this Teo Maladone situation kind of has, like, very um, not quite as serious obviously complications um, compared to the KD situation, but it'll be interesting to follow. And above everything else, just hope Teo's okay. And um, hopefully we'll get him back soon. Now, so some of the other players on the injury report, we have Isaiah Roby still out with that um, that right foot soreness. Hopefully has something serious. Um, Dignall has mentioned in his post-game um, media availability that it doesn't seem to be serious. Hopefully that is the case. And then we also have Mike Pascala currently in uh, concussion protocol after he took a pretty serious elbow in that last Minnesota game. So all of that to say, the Thunder were pretty short-handed tonight, but it didn't really matter. They played a fantastic game. Now, the, the only other injury to mention is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis did not play. Um, definitely seemed to be kind of a precautionary kind of thing. Um, it, it was very much a resting one of our best players <laughs> against a team who uh, is not a championship contender this season. And that, that absolutely makes sense. But they, the Lakers, being they, <laughs> they could have absolutely used AD in this game. Um, especially when the Thunder were only playing one true center, and that, that was just a ton of fun. So, like I mentioned, let's go ahead and break down the game. Um, to start the first quarter, I mentioned not really having a true center. Obviously, it was huge with Roby out, with Muscala out, having Horford back um, for just rest purposes. What uh, was just makes such a huge difference. He's such a high IQ player. We've mentioned that so many different times um, throughout the season, and that was huge for that starting lineup. Now, uh, speaking of the starting lineup, the Thunder starred Hamadou Diallo, I guess at what you would call the small forward spot, um, with all these injuries. You know, they had been starting Teo um, these past couple of games, and with Teo out, Hami got the start, which was kind of surprising to me. I thought they might throw in, like, a Kendrick Williams and would want Hami to come off the bench and kind of continue to provide that spark plug, especially with Muscal out, but they didn't. And I cannot get what cannot wait to get into Hami because he again for the second straight game in the starting lineup uh, due to injuries and and missing players played another great great game and I just I love seeing him in that starting unit. So, uh, but before we get into that, to get into the first quarter, the Thunder go, get off to a great start uh, and basically it's led. Uh, by Darius Baisley's big first quarter. I mean, he was just getting to the rim at will. He was making uh, incredible plays. He, he I, I was mentioning this on our last post game, uh, or the last post game that I did um, here last week. But Baisley is creating separation. Uh, he's using those pullbacks, or sorry, his <laughs> step back three point shots, and he just he looks so impressive. And uh, you know, one thing that I mentioned uh, in that same post game podcast, if you guys have been listening to it. 
is that Baisley seems to, you know, it, it, ever since he's gotten out of this kind of funk um, over the past week, week and a half, you know, he, he he's getting off to a hot start. And then just because of rotations and everything else, Dagnall will sit him towards the end of the first quarter. And then Baisley will come back in towards like mid-second quarter and he just can't really seem to find a stroke again. He can't really seem to get it going. He can't seem to uh, to be consistent overall. But tonight, <laughs> with only eight players, we saw Baisley getting, uh, obviously not sitting nearly as long. And he came in that first half and just continued to keep it going. And that was so great to see. Um, Bays ended the half with 17 points and 10 rebounds. And this is the craziest part. On 6 of 12, shooting 50% from the field. Just a fantastic first half from Darius Baisley and um and it was just great to see again after I kind of I don't want to say call him out but after I mentioned that on the uh, one of my latest posting podcasts last week um it, it was great to see now something that I ended up not tweeting actually kind of had like saved my drafts but got distracted and ended up not tweeting it I was a little concerned about halftime because like I mentioned with only eight players, Baisley was not sitting uh, as long as he usually would have, I guess you could say, there in the second quarter. And even then, just having that basically uh, that, that extended period off um, before he jumps into the third quarter, I was concerned that he was not going to be able to keep that, that same intensity, that same scoring. And that's kind of what happened in the third quarter. Now, all that to say, the Thunder struggled as a team in the third. They only had five points uh, with only about five or in the third quarter, with only about five minutes left in the third. And then eventually, they finally go on a run. Um, basically, the the Lakers came out in the third quarter and just sparked by honestly by Dennis Schroeder, former Thunder guard Dennis. He really struggled in the first half, and he struggled in the game as a whole. But that third quarter um, was really kind of a he he kind of played a facilitator there. Um, and, and really got the, the Lakers going. Um, and the Thunder just really, really struggled. They couldn't hit anything. And, and honestly, the Lakers weren't quite able to take advantage um, of the Thunder missing all those shots in the third quarter. It was just like, I tweeted this out, but it's just a bunch of bricks being thrown up all around. Now, the Lakers did score more there, which uh, eventually helped them and, and, and kept them in the game. But the Thunder ended up going on a run to in the third quarter, um, largely led by... Guys like Kenny Hustle and then Shea really starting to get it going. And this is where Shea kind of picks it up. Also, you had guys like Justin Jackson <laughs> um, really starting to, to hit those threes. And I, I mentioned this. Um, also, shout out Kevin O'Connor because he did, of the ringer, because he did his, um, his, his weekly NBA rankings. And on the Thunder section, you guys should go check it out because he has none other than the uncontested uh, highlight reel of Hamdou Diallo that he, he ended up embedded into that article. So that was really cool to see. Shout out to The Ringer. Um, shout out to Kevin O'Connor. We were joking around saying that we're the unofficial OKC Thunder podcast of The Ringer. <laughs> but all of that to say, um, like I mentioned, Justin Jackson really got it going. And the reason I brought the whole Ringer uh, article up was because Kevin O'Connor mentioned the Thunder's player development. And one of those guys was Justin Jackson, who just seems to continue to find confidence each and every game. Obviously, you know, we haven't been super huge on Justin Jackson here on the Uncontested, and me specifically. 
But these past couple of games, Justin Jackson has continued to kind of shut me up. Um, and, and he was a huge reason why the Thunder went on a run there to close out the third quarter and kept it close. So we get into the fourth quarter, and it, it was just an absolute brawl, honestly. Um, kind of like the, the the first and second quarters. Just teams going back and forth, hitting big shots. Um, and the lead starts to slip away around the four-minute mark. But Lou makes a huge, huge block. Um, and then you have the SGA save. So the ball's going out of bounds. I, the, the Thunder have the ball. The ball ends up, uh, I think it gets, gets deflected. I can't remember who deflected it. It might have been Schroeder. And, uh, and Shea's able to uh, save the ball from going out of bounds on the baseline. He's able to get the ball back. He hits a huge three. I mean, just superstar level. I tweeted that out on the account, as I know many other uh, Thunder accounts and, and Thunder Media did as well. I mean, and it's true. It was it was incredible. We'll dive into that some. So from there, we have Wes Matthews, who goes down. He's just a gigantic three. Uh, Thunder aren't able to score on the other end. That leads to LeBron getting a transition layup to tie the game up. And then at that point, that's kind of where things get crazy. Um, SGA has a super nice, um, he, he basically goes down, he, he, he's able to create separation, but then he misses He misses the floater after being on, on fire. Then we're able to get a stop. SGA goes down, um, he, he's driving to the rim on the next possession, and he's, he gets fouled by Schroeder, but the Lakers challenge it. And they say that because, you know, the hand's part of the ball, um, that Schroeder did not indeed foul SGA, which was crazy. It, it probably should have been a foul, but it worked out in the Thunder's benefit because they end up calling a jump ball. So Baisley is able to uh, tip the ball out to, I think it was Shea. Shea goes and pulls the, and you know, we, we keep talking about CP3's influence um, on SGA this past season and how it's going to play, pay dividends down the road. We saw that tonight <laughs> with that shot. Uh, SGA pulls the, the old CP3 move that we saw so often last season. He's able to draw the defender in the air, do a pump fake, uh, get the defender to jump up in the air, um, and he's able to get three shots. He sinks all three of them. Uh, with all just, you know, you had the, the Lakers uh, players on the bench trying to distract him with the towels. You know, you had Schroeder in the background, like trying to talk in his ear, and Shay's just. Super calmly, uh, cool hand Luke, he goes, knocks down all three. We go into overtime. Now, overtime was rough. The Thunder did not play well in OT, and uh, the Lakers were able to get some big shots down the stretch in overtime, and were able to end up winning, like I mentioned, um, 119 to 112. But still, just a super, super fun game. So, like I mentioned, let's go ahead and jump into some individual players. Let's jump into some uh, some team themes that I saw from tonight. And the first thing I want to mention is the points in the paint. Because like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Thunder had one true center playing tonight, and that was Al Horford. We saw some, I don't want to say crazy lineups, because they weren't crazy, given the eight players that Dignall had. Again, I continue to be so impressed with Dignall's coaching. And maybe that's the thing that we should mention. Uh, just the rotations, uh, as well as the discipline on both ends of the floor, regardless of who is in. But all that to say, um, with the Thunder only having Al Horford as the true center playing tonight of those eight players, they still only were out-rebounded were out 64-60. to 60. 
against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, again, they the Lakers did not have AD, but obviously they have a lot of length, um, a lot of strength and size down low between Montrez Harrell, who really had a, a really good game against the, again, the, the second unit Thunder who really don't have a center uh, or didn't have a center tonight, and then uh, Gasol. And so I, I thought that was really impressive. And something that I wanted to bring up because I thought the Thunder did a great job there now, the other team stat that I want to mention is turnovers. Um, and this is much better in the first half because the Thunder forced quite a few of these. But overall, just in general, um, the Thunder ended up forcing 15 turnovers uh, off the Lakers, who are a team known for handling the ball well. I think the fact that the Thunder were able to come in there with, again, it's something I mentioned last week as well when they were shorthanded, uh, their versatility, their length, their size, their quickness, their athleticism, they use that to their advantage and they're continuing to do that. It's becoming a theme this season. And, and that's something that I hope to continue to see um, because it's been really fun. <laughs> it's super impressive to watch. And I think it's a, a thing that teams can't really prepare for, you know, um, and, and it's really something that the Thunder have been able to use to their advantage. Um, it didn't happen quite as much like I mentioned in the second half, so something to keep an eye on. But nevertheless, uh, the turnovers that they were able to force, especially with only eight guys, I think was super impressive. Now, something else I wanted to mention was the fouls. Um, this is something, again, that I mentioned on last week's uh, postgame podcast that I did. But the Thunder are fouling quite a bit. Uh, and even when the refs weren't I, I never used refs as an excuse. Like, for example, I mentioned the Chiefs game at the top of the podcast. Uh, the refs were bad, but they were not anywhere close to the reason that the Chiefs won the game. Or, sorry, that the Chiefs lost the game last night, that the Tampa Bay won the game. And that was kind of the situation tonight. Like, they were nowhere near the reason that the Thunder lost the game tonight in overtime. But with that being said, the Thunder still fouled uh, 23 times to the Lakers 19 times. Some of those maybe were a little ticky-tacky. Maybe it was because the Lakers are complaining a lot. Um, and that they, they didn't feel they got a fair whistle, even though I, they absolutely did. And it was a little ridiculous. But with all that being said, um, the Thunder are still fouling quite a bit on the defensive end. And that's going to happen. We only have eight players, and guys are tired, especially in the second half. And you go into a game in overtime. Like, that absolutely makes sense. And you have young guys. I mean, this isn't like you're, you know, the, the Lakers, for example, who have a, a lot of disciplined veterans. Um, that makes sense. But with all that being said, that's something they do need to kind of um, hone in and focus on because – you know, if you don't commit that many fouls, you maybe don't even go into overtime with Shea hitting those big shots down the clutch. And so um, that was just another thing that I went, wanted to bring up and something that I continue to see. Um, so I guess while we're on negative themes, we'll go ahead and transition into um, into some individual players for the Thunder um, because there was a lot of positive stake from this game. And not a whole lot of negatives. And I think the only other negative I have for this entire game is Baisley. And I, you guys are going to be shocked. You're like, wait, Baisley had 21 points. He has 16 rebounds. I'm not saying Baisley as a whole for this game. And I keep saying this. <laughs> this is something else I mentioned in last week's post-game podcast. But it's, become, it's kind of starting to become a theme. I'm a little concerned about Baisley um, when he's taken out of the game. You know, he, he went through that, uh, that, that rough patch earlier in the season. Um, and... Or shoot, not even earlier in the season, here a couple weeks ago. And this past week, he really started to kind of seem like he was coming out of it, right? He, he started the game hot, started the game aggressive, um, was able to get to the rim, was able to score. It was getting his outside shot going. It was great. 
but then he sits right to end the first quarter and then he comes in towards like uh you know midway through the second quarter and he seems to cool off now tonight that wasn't the case in the first half but you only had eight players so he's not sitting nearly as long and then he comes in in the second half and he I don't want to say he struggled, but he certainly was not doing what he just absolutely dominated the first half. I mean, he looked like one of the best players on the court. And in the second half, that was not the case. So all of that to say, with the great, great game, or the great first half that Darius Baisley had, I still saw that theme. And that's something I want to keep an eye on. Um, and again, he's super young. I mean, this isn't something I'm like concerned about, but it's something I want to at least bring up on a post-game podcast. Something to follow throughout this season, because... What we continue to see from Baisley is he just improves each and every game. I think this is something he will improve on, but it's something that's going to take him a little longer than just, you know, like per, like I said earlier, game to game. It may be something that we don't see until next season, right, where he's able to put a full game together. All that to say, 21 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, he ended up 7-21 from the floor, which is not nearly as good as, like I mentioned, at, at the end of the first half, he was 50%. From the floor, um, and that just kind of goes to what I was saying about his his second half. It, not nearly as aggressive, but he's still doing so many. I mean, he had an incredible pass. I believe it was to Lou in the first half. Had a backcourt cut um, that was just beautiful. I mean, not very many players can make that kind of pass, and Baisley was able to make that pass. Um, and just I continue to be impressed by Baisley. His rim protection, especially without centers, like I mentioned tonight, uh, you know, obviously Horford is not a huge uh, rim protector. And to have Baisley down there and doing what he did, especially in, the, in like the first three quarters, was really impressive and was huge for this team. So I'm super, super high on Baisley. The only reason I mentioned that negative is just because, like I said, I'm so, so excited about him. Um, that's kind of the next stage in his development. Um, but now let's go ahead and, and well, I guess there's a, maybe another, I don't want to say negative, um, because Lou Dort is spending so much energy guarding the, one of the best, either the second or the first best player to ever play a game of basketball and LeBron, LeBron James. And I, I thought he did a great job. Although when I looked at the box score at the end of the uh, first half, I was like, Oh, LeBron almost has a triple-double, <laughs> but it didn't seem that way. Lou was playing really great and sound defense on him, was making it difficult on him, and I think, you know, to that point, we saw LeBron kind of get uh, get a little upset. Um, you know, you saw him chipping at the refs a little more than usual, and uh, he, he did not like the fact the game was as, as close as it was, and a lot of that is due to Lou's defense. Now, Lou only had seven points, uh, was 3 of 11 from the field, and 0 6 from 3. And as Jake has been mentioning in our, our uh, uncontested slack that we have, regression to the mean, I think, on Lou's three point shot. Now, not to say he's going to be an 0 and 6 player for the majority of the season or anything like that, but he's also maybe not quite as good from the three point line as we saw earlier in the season. So just something else to keep an eye on. But enough, enough negatives. I'm already at about 20 minutes here, and I want to spend the rest of the time talking about the huge pauses that we saw. For example, I already mentioned Darius Baisley and the pauses we saw in that first half. But I want to talk about Hamadou Diallo. And you guys know how much I love Hami. I've loved Hami for forever, um, ever since he was a rookie and, and seeing his explosiveness. And honestly, I'm a little biased because it, it, it reminded me of Russ, and that's why I, I fell in love with Hami from the very beginning. But he was reckless, and we saw that last season. He honestly was almost a detriment to the team um, rather than a, a positive, kind of a spark plug, like he's playing this season. 
And when he's been in the starting lineup last game and now this game, we're seeing like the perfect Tommy. I don't want to say perfect, obviously, because there's still some things that he obviously can improve on. Uh, we saw still saw some mid-range shots that probably weren't great decisions. But I love that confidence. <laughs> and he's playing great. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 8 of 17 from the floor. Um, he took 3 three-point shots. He hit one of them. It was almost called back because of a foul. They ended up reviewing it, saying the Hami shot went in before the foul occurred, so they counted it. Um, but all of that to say, Hami played another great, great game. And his improvement is just really stellar. Um, he's getting others involved. He's looking to kick out more. He's obviously listening to the coaches. And it's just another perfect example of, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Kevin O'Connor had that uh, that blurb on the Thunder in his rankings, NBA rankings, about player development. Homie fits into that 100%. And that is why that Homie actually had his own paragraph in that in that uh, Ringer article today. So Homie with another great game. Even if it took him a little bit to get going, just great to see. I mean, the fact that Hami is putting 20 points up against uh, one of the, the league's best defensive teams uh, is it, just pretty incredible. Uh, Justin Jackson, another guy I want to touch on just really briefly before I get into the, the man of the hour, the man of the night, Shea Gilgis Alexander. But Jackson had 14 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. I thought he came in and played another great game, um, as I did. I, you know, I thought he played well uh, this past weekend as well against the Timberwolves and that, those back-to-backs. He's getting extended minutes, obviously, because of guys being in the G League, injuries, and in COVID. Um, I'm assuming that's the, the case with Teo. Uh, I think Jackson's just continuing to improve. He's getting more and more in confidence. And you know, we we saw him hit, shooting those threes earlier on the season. They obviously were not falling, but they're starting to. They're starting to over the past couple of games. Also, he's playing good, sound defense uh, on the other end of the floor. He's using his, his length and versatility to his advantage. He's getting hands and passing lanes, and uh, he's playing sound defense. He's not fouling quite as much as he was earlier in the season. We're just seeing him to continue to develop. And again, just another, uh, another example of Thunder uh, player development this season. So I want to be sure to mention Jackson because I think he's playing better and better. I'm really excited to kind of see where he ends up. You know, he's a guy that I kind of wanted to be cut, <laughs> I think, uh, coming into the regular season um, after training camp and after the preseason games. And that was kind of justified from his early play. But the past couple of games, uh, especially tonight, he has been much much better, and he deserves some credit, so I wanted to be sure to mention him uh, as somebody I'm going to really be keeping an eye on on both sides of the floor uh, moving forward here in the next couple of games and see if he can keep this up, if this is real or just a hot streak. So, like I mentioned, the man of the hour, the man of the night, Shea Gilles-Alexander. And you guys probably saw me tweet this, and there's many other uh, Twitter accounts, or Twitter accounts, Thunder accounts on Twitter tweeting out this. Shea Gilles-Alexander had a superstar second half. Not an all-star. Superstar. Uh, maybe all-star stat line because the first half was not bad by any means, but just a little slow because, again, he's playing the Lakers. But 29 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 of 25 from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3, and just an absolute takeover there in the fourth. Overtime, he struggled, but again, you have eight players, and uh, I'll pull this up really quick. I want to see how many, I, I meant to look this up ahead of time. Uh, 41 minutes for Shea. 41 minutes for Shea, 40 for Hami. Let's uh, go ahead and go over here to the Lakers, who had basically a full roster for LeBron, for example. LeBron had, okay, he played 42 minutes. That's a bad example. <laughs> 
bad example. But the next highest on the team played 32 minutes and that or 34 minutes. That was KCP. So you have Shea just playing a ridiculous amount of minutes and just doing what he did down the stretch there in the fourth quarter just makes it all the more incredible. Just some quick stats really uh, really quick because uh, Brian Schroeder on Twitter at Cosmos uh, tweeted out these stats. I think it was um, Stephen Dolan who retweeted these. Um, Shea putting up 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 7 assists per 36 minutes. He's shooting 50, 51%, 37%, 76% from the four. Um, obviously close to the infamous 50, 40, 90. Um, he's shooting... 66% within 6 feet, basically 52% from within 3 and 10 feet, and 48% within 10 to 16 feet. And then, <laughs> this is the crazy part, you have 50% from 16 to 23 feet. Um, all that, uh, he's been assisting on less than 10% of all his made twos, and he's shooting almost 58% of those shots, which is just wild. He gets some comparisons, be sure to go and uh, and see that. Um, that thread because it really is pretty incredible. Um, but our own Justin wanted me to bring the, and Jacob wanted me to bring something on the, on the podcast, 11 points in the fourth quarter for Shea after 13, the fourth against Minnesota. We keep talking about that third quarter, how, uh, Shea has been struggling. The team as a whole has been struggling because again, the offense starts and stops with Shea Gilchrist Alexander, um, creating for others and also just scoring in general. And I think we've been seeing <laughs> when he's playing these minute loads, uh, he, he does seem to get tired towards the end of the game. But what we've seen the last couple of games, like Justin mentioned tonight and last uh, and a couple of nights ago against Minnesota, is that he just basically has taken over in the fourth, regardless of how tired he is. He is uh, reaching that superstar level. And he's basically just scoring at will. You know, tonight, <laughs> I think this was the, the most impressive part about Shea. Um, he got LeBron switched on to him a couple different times. And you just tell that his mindset was just like, I, I don't care. Uh, or not even, I don't care. Like, I am going to shoot this ball. It's going to go in. And that is huge. We've been asking for more aggression from Shea for the past season, uh, you know, last season, and even within the first part of this season. We're seeing that over the, the last stretch of games, uh, kind of culminating tonight when you have, again, one of two best basketball players of all time being switched on to you because nobody else on his championship continuing team can stop Shea. So LeBron has to switch on to him, and Shea goes, eh, I'm going to hit a step back uh, three-point shot over over you, LeBron. <laughs> like, it's just pretty incredible. Uh, and what Shea was able to do tonight and the stats that I mentioned earlier, I think you have to really, really consider him uh, to be an all-star. And so I definitely wanted to mention that Shea had an incredible game. And now I just want to go ahead and uh, there's a couple things that I skipped over just really quickly. Um, Sam Vecini of The Athletic tweeted out that Hamadou Diallo might be the most underrated player in the, NBA, in the NBA right now. His numbers are actually insane on a permanent basis. Like his best comparables for his age are Kawhi, Shea, and Hero. If you guys go to that tweet, you guys can actually see those stats. I won't dive into them now, especially since I'm going late. Um, but just pretty awesome that Homie is starting to get national recognition, especially from a, uh, a player value, evaluation level uh, from a guy such as Sam Vecini, who is so great at player evaluation from the high school, college, and NBA level. Um, so definitely go and check that out. And the other guy I just quickly want to mention is Kenny Hustle. Just continue to make the right plays. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. I'll see if I can 
find that really quickly. But somebody tweeted out um, his numbers against LeBron ever since he's been in the league and his defense. And it's just been, it, it, it's really impressive. It kind of reminds me of Andre Robertson, to be completely honest. I mentioned that again here a, a couple podcasts ago. Um, just the guy who's always making the right play. He's making cuts. He's creating rebounds to to keep plays alive. He's getting steals. He's sacrificing his body. He is fits. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That Andre Robertson, Nick Collison mode. So I won't go much deeper into uh, Kenny Hustle but another fantastic game from him. And uh, he's obviously very quickly become a fan favorite for the OKC uh, OKC fan base. And I, I just really hope, I think that moving forward, you know, we have Baisley, Dort, Shea, you're going to be drafting these young players over the next couple of seasons that are hopefully going to uh, complement these players really well. I think Kenny Hustle's just the perfect player to plug and play alongside those guys because he just makes things. Like any good team, Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. What's happened? So definitely want to... Give a shout out to Kenny Hustle. So, you guys, as always, submitted some great Twitter questions. And I'll, I'll try to be uh, a little more better at submitting some Reddit questions as well and some Discord questions in the Booptown Hoops Discord. Uh, we'll try and mix it up a little bit. But thank you guys for providing me with some great questions on Twitter. The first one is from our guy, Silver, um, at Black Dolphin 5 
Tinfoil hat. Was all these players out, not available, planned by someone wanting to lose? And why has Dort regressed in the last couple of weeks? Um, so, no, I don't think so. There's being cautious, like we mentioned on Sunday's podcast. Or I guess, yeah, it dropped Sunday. Uh, basically, uh, yesterday's podcast, Monday. Um, I I think it's just the Thunder organization trying to be more cautious this season because they aren't really gunning for a championship. Uh, although, you have games like tonight where the Thunder are competing with one of the best teams in the league, minus AD. Uh, don't get it twisted. <laughs> they are not competing for a championship, and it is not worth risking the health of guys like Lou Dort with knee soreness or Shea with knee soreness or Muscala with a concussion or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I, I, I would not worry about that. Um, Dort regressing, he's regressed to the mean. It is what it is. Don't get me wrong. He has improved from the three-point line from last season. I think we're going to see him kind of have a couple uh, games where he's getting a little more uh, consistent with that three-point shot. It's going to be better than last season overall, but it's also not going to be what it was there, those those first however many games. And then when are we going to get a good, great game from Baisley and Dort? Where do you think Mark Daynault compares to other Thunderhead coaches? Um, so I already kind of mentioned Baisley. He seems to be able to put a, a full game together. And I may hopefully that happens at the end of the season. If not, I could see it next season. I mean, Baisley is super impressive. I cannot be more excited about his development. I don't really care when it is. <laughs> if it's this season or next, I think we are going to see that. Dort, that's a good question. Really good question. And I won't dive into that because that's a, a deeper topic. And I'm running low on time here. But um, definitely a good question. And Dignall, I'm really, really impressed with. Uh, go listen to my podcast from last week, my postgame podcast. And uh, you can hear my thoughts on Dignall. Thunder underscore Thunder. Your rating on Lou's finish at the rim. It felt like he missed quite a ton. Uh, he said quite a or he or she said quite a ton lately. Yeah, he is struggling a little more around the rim, but I mean, you have a team like the Lakers with a lot of length and strength for that matter down low, a lot of size down low, and uh, that's going to happen. I actually think that Lou's been, uh, I, I don't have stats for this again, it's just kind of off the top of the head when I'm answering your guys' questions, but I think Lou's actually been, um, efficient around the whim, around the whim, around the rim, um, considering that his three-point shot isn't falling, like I just mentioned in the previous question. So if he can get that three-point shot to fall, it's just going to open up the floor even more for him. It's something we were talking about Shea, talking about Baisley. Uh, it, it's a super simple concept. I get that. But um, I, I think he's been doing really well, driving to the rim, um, drawing contact. But you're right. He's still very strong around the rim. And it'd be nice to see him get a little more of a softer touch and be able to get some more and ones and and be able to finish around the rim a little better. But again, that's, that's all going to come. It's great to see Lou expanding his game uh, more than just the 3 and D. Because like you said, Thunder underscore Thunder, we're seeing him continue to uh, create for others and driving to the rim and just expand his offensive game. So our guy, uh, just OKC Chatter, whose growth has surprised you the most this season. Personally, he has loved seeing Hamid continue to improve every game. I can, <laughs> you guys know how much I love Hamidou Diallo. I kind of gave up on him last season. I did. I uh, was really, really frustrated with him. I can't lie. But you guys know I've been a Hamid fan from state, from day one. And uh, Hamid's development has been incredible. But I also want to mention just, uh, you know, guys like Kenrick Williams kind of finding his role. Maybe that's one that's not so much uh, Thunder de- development as much as just like uh, be- getting more comfortable and more experience uh, with this team and kind of finding his role. 
But then you have guys like Baisley. You have guys like Teo. Um, you have guys like Justin Jackson. I think a lot of that is due to Thunder development and, and the culture that they have in place, which is stay tuned, something we're going to kind of do a deep dive on here hopefully soon. But uh, with all that being said, I think that that list of guys um, are right there for me, and I think Hami definitely has to be at the top of that list. Okay, so chatter. And then SGA season. What is Diallo's season? <laughs> a lot of Diallo questions tonight. I love it. I love it. What is Yellow's ceiling? I feel like he's the biggest question mark on this team. Um, that's a really, really good question. I mean, his ceiling, his ceiling is probably like a solid rotation role player for a NBA championship contender, which kind of seems crazy, but like he could definitely get there. I think we we're seeing that if he continues to grow and progress with guys like Baisley, Shea, Dort, and whoever the Thunder end up drafting. Basley, or sorry, uh, uh, Hami could be that kind of guy. Um, I think like the easiest, like um, safest scenario would be that he's just a solid role player who has kind of found his role. He's able to kind of um, use his athleticism and his 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 ridiculous burst uh, to his advantage, and is a little more poised and control like we've seen this season. And then worst case scenario is he just gets out of control, and gets on the wrong team, maybe gets in a trade or whatever it may be, and he ends up out of the league. But I don't think we're going to see that, especially after what we have seen this season. Um, my assumption is that he just becomes a solid role player for this team moving forward long term, and that's really exciting. I just hope he continues to kind of hone it all in and remains poised, is able to continue to get players involved and kind of expand his basketball IQ um, and is able to kind of hone in his athleticism to his advantage because that's that's what we're seeing so far this season. And then the final question from Captain Corbin Richard. What are your thoughts on great teams always seemingly resting their stars against the Thunder? Um, that is a great point because that definitely has been the case. I think it's two things. The, the biggest thing is the fact that uh, just the season in general, you have players out due to contact tracing, COVID, and everything else. Uh, you're trying to rest guys like uh, Chris Paul was out tonight for the Phoenix Suns. with a, a, a They mentioned his hamstring, hamstring soreness. I mean, I really hope it's not actually you know an issue. I don't think it is. I think he's had a, the it, basically it's it's an excuse for rest, and that's what we're seeing uh, this season, just in general, with teams across the league. But then teams see the OKC Thunder, who you know made all these offseason moves in the in the offseason, and they're obviously quote unquote repositioning. Um, and I think these teams are like, oh, okay. And then you, you have players out. Like, they only had eight active players tonight. So the Lakers are thinking, well, obviously, we can set AD. It'll be fine. And then you see this team just come out and compete because that is 100% what they do. They play the right way. They're a great group of guys. They have a ton of fun playing together. They have great chemistry. And they're going to give uh, every team every night a run for their money. And that's kind of we. I think that's kind of why we saw guys like Schroeder and LeBron get really, and Marcus Morris get really frustrated with refs, with themselves, with their their own team tonight. Um, so I'm not going to say that you know every team's just going to rest their best players against the Thunder, but I, I think all that that I mentioned is kind of a reason why. So that's all the questions I got. Thank you guys again for all the great questions. Uh, again, a really fun game to break down tonight. Thank you guys for staying up with us, uh, tweeting along with us. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel. We've been doing some highlight reels. Like I mentioned, The Ringer, The Ringer, actually, and Kevin O'Connor actually uh, embedded one of our uh, Hamadou Diallo highlights that Justin put together um, into 
Kevin O'Connor's article. So that, that's pretty awesome when he was talking about Hami. So be sure to subscribe to us there. Check out those highlight reels. We'll continue to put more and more of those together. Obviously, please check us out wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, whatever it may be. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, and we'll have the, the Lakers again. Again, baseball series. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, or last week. We will be playing the Lakers on Wednesday. We'll have you guys covered for that game. We'll have you guys covered all week. And you guys will get a group podcast this coming Sunday. So stay tuned. And as always, Thunder Up. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com.